Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21. Welcome in everybody to the second episode of Two Guys Watching Wrestling. Mike and Rich here with you going through the Black Scorpion storyline. Last week, we covered Bash at the Beach, where Sting beat Ric Flair for his first WCW World Championship. And now we, we, we are off and running with this Black Scorpion storyline. Rich, how you doing today? I, I Mike, I got boxes ready because we got so much to unpack with this episode. Uh, we're going to get after you, the U-Haul truck. This is uh, we're, we're, we're moving and grooving with this thing. It, it, yeah, this Right off the bat, uh, we're covering today Clash of Champions 12, uh, also known as Mountain Madness, also also known as Fall Brawl 90. We just crammed it all into one big show. It's like a Rambo movie, First Blood. <laughs> Rambo Part 3, First Blood Part 2, Rambo Lives. There you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, again, I talked last week about how I wasn't a WCW guy. I was a WWF guy growing up. I had I thought Clash of Champions was like a once a year thing, like most pay per views are. First of all, I, I I completely forgot that Clash of Champions was a free on TV thing. It wasn't a pay per view. It was like a TNT special. Uh, and then I looked, and it's like this four or five of them in this year alone. So we have so we are covering the Clash of Champions twelve. It took place on September fifth. 1990 at the Asherville Civic Center in Asherville, North Carolina, to a capacity crowd of 4,000. And yeah, it was broadcast on TBS. And right off the bat, I will say, um, th I noticed an upgrade in the production quality. Last week, we talked about how Bash, Bash of the Beach production was terrible. It, it was a terrible looking TV presentation. And I believe that's kind of part of it. The fact that now we have the the Turner Broadcasting people behind it, there was a lot more graphics, there was a lot more entrance videos, there was more music. the The editing seemed better, in my opinion. Uh, you still had the the cameraman in like neon shorts, so that was a little distracting when there's just some random dude in a bathing suit on the the ring apron holding a camera. But um, and and again, nothing was perfect. They had the the one that really stuck out to me was. Uh, when the Steiners started to do their entrance, they start. They walked out. Then all of a sudden, the video cut in, and they and the video played. And then they cut back, and the Steiners are back at the beginning of the entrance, waiting for their cue. And then you see them actually nod to somebody and start walking. So it wasn't perfect, but I think uh, just my overall opinion: Clash of Champions twelve is an upgrade from last week's show, Bash at the Beach. What are your thoughts? I think entertainment value-wise, significant upgrade. The in-ring action, not not so good. But whenever you have a show that has a theme song that sounds like it's from Contra on NES, <laughs> yeah. you have you have my you have my attention. Uh, I, I actually I liked the matches a little better uh, than than Bash of the Beach, and I think my reasoning again goes back to it was on TV, so they had to keep them quick. Uh, I feel that uh, some of the matches that we covered last week kind of dragged out and trying to, and because they were on pay-per-view, so they had an extra hour they had to fill. 
So the matches kind of dragged out. The matches were more in the 10 minute range. These matches were mostly in the average of five minutes or so. So they kept them tighter. Uh, the in-ring work was you know, hit or miss at best, but I, I felt the tightness of it uh, definitely showed through. And, but, and again, it took me a few minutes to remember, oh, yeah, this was on TV because they kept clearly going to commercial break. But on the WWE Network, there's no commercials. So I'm like, boy, they're showing this logo and this advertisement to have a phone call with Sting a lot. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, it's because they're going into a commercial break. That's what they're doing. But yeah, the uh, the old days of hotlines. So the, there's numbers that are etched in my head for the rest of my life. Yeah. My first phone number, 911, obviously, and the WCW hotline. Like, <laughs> if I was never in a hostage situation and to get out of it, they come up to me and they say, hey, listen, we need you to give us the WCW hotline number or we're going to okay. cut your head off. You're good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm getting out of there. I'm walking out of there. You're good. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, so I mean, hotlines were big. I, I remember, and, and they carried so long. They went on for so long. I even remember, um, I mean, the, 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 in the, the mid to late 90s when um, it was JR and I think Gorilla Monsoon were doing basically WWF radio, but you had to call in to hear it or something, where yes. it was basically an audio version of a pay-per-view, and it was on a 900 number. Uh, that I, I never did it. I know it existed, uh, but I never did it. I wanted to watch the pay-per-views, not sit on my phone and listen to JR and Gorilla call it like old time or radio. So well, the, the, the funny thing you mentioned with that is, and this is two weeks in a row, we've talked about this pay-per-view Survivor Series 93 yep. at the Boston Garden was the first one they did on the radio. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Survivor Series. See, see we are trendsetters here in Boston. <laughs> not always good trends not always good trends sometimes it's wwf radio <laughs> <laughs> um but let's jump into it Let it, let's get into clash of champions 12 mountain madness fall brawl 90 and we have electric to say boogaloo. electric boogaloo uh and right off the bat you can see the upgrade you can see that, that this is a better uh presentation because we have graphics for the people that are on tv you have Jim Ross and Bob, come on, I'm blank. He, the same guy we talked about last week. Yeah, Caudell. Caudell, Bob Caudell. Uh, but now, now I know who Bob is. As I mentioned last week, they went the entire show just calling him Bob because there was no lower third graphics. Now we got lower thirds. We know who these people are. Wonderful. We got Bob. <laughs> and and uh, right off the bat, we get, yeah, we're, we're smacked right in the mouth with the fabulous Freebirds music video. Uh uh, the Freebirds are, uh, I mean, it's one of those things like, I know we're, we're covering the Black Scorpion storyline here, but it's almost like I would much rather do the Freebirds because they seem wildly interesting at this period of time. It is really weird. Um, I don't know. It's like Michael Hayes loves him some karaoke, you can tell. And he's that guy in the bar that takes karaoke way too serious. And wow, it's, uh, yeah. It's it's just it's an interesting, interesting look back at that uh, that time. Uh, but they're they're toting themselves as the greatest rock and roll band in the world, the Fabulous Freebirds. Now, Mike, how many times did you play Bad Street USA when you were a DJ? Oh, nightly, nightly, and and yeah. and, and the request lines were all over it. 
like all night long. Like, hey, can you play Bad Street? I'm like, man, I've already played it. We'll play it again. I don't care. I'm breaking format. I'm playing. This is the Bad Street Hour, man. We are on Bad Street USA, commercial free. All Michael P. S. Hayes. <laughs> Did you notice though that the, the the rest of the team, for lack of a better term, they, they weren't in the music video. It was just Michael Hayes and like some weird backing band. Unless I'm completely off, and they were like doing bass in the background. Or, or rails in the back. One of more, the, more than likely, <laughs> yeah. More than likely, it was it was Michael Hayes on stage, and Jimmy Jam was in the back with the roadies doing blow. <laughs> Him and uh, so okay, so they're they're coming out. Uh, they they play the music video, and they come out, and I mean, la- last week they they were in like sequence pants with s- suspenders. This getup that they're wearing tonight at, at Fall Brawl '90 Mountain Madness. Uh, Clash of Champions 12 is much more what I've always known as the Freebirds, like iconic look. Uh, the red, white, and blue, Confederate flag, uh, the the capes, the I mean, the makeup, I, I didn't know they did the full, you know, racist road warrior gimmick, but that's what they're doing. Uh, I mean, let, let's, call it, let's call it what it is here. <laughs> the whole time, I'm like, this is like the, the racist Legion of Doom. Plain and simple. And so Michael Hayes, Jimmy Jam Garvin, all dolled up for the, the big dance. And they're, uh, they got Buddy E. Lee Roberts in tow. What do you know about Mr. Buddy E. Lee Roberts? Um, he looked really good in the face paint. That was really, um, that's, that's really all, all the amount of time I, I, I spent trying to figure him out. I was more blinded by the amount of glitter that was on with Confederate face. They had enough that would make a stripper's blush. It, it is was, yeah, um, yeah. too much. A lot, lot, lot of glitter. A lot of glitter. And uh, a lot of glitter. And man, again, this, this their whole presentation, like the Freebirds to me are like, you watch and you're like, wow, those guys really are feeling themselves right now. Like they re- like they believe their bullshit a hundred percent. Like you see them on the top ropes and they're doing the pointing at each other thing. And I'm just like, like there's 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 no question in their hearts that they think they are the coolest thing walking the earth. They are just all in on free bird action. Of course, a lot of that is probably stimulated by mounds and mounds of cocaine. Uh, but nevertheless, um, Buddy E, yeah, Buddy E Lee Roberts. Apparently, there was supposed to be a six man tag. I'm just going based off the commentary that they were telling us. Uh, Jim Ross was laying out the story as to why there was two extra people at, at the ring. Um, so Michael PSA's Jimmy Jam Garvin were supposed to be teaming up with Buddy E. Lee Roberts uh, to face the wild-eyed Southern boys of Tracy Smothers and Steve Armstrong with Bullet Bob Armstrong. Uh, Bullet Bob is Steve's dad, uh, as well as Brian James uh, Armstrong, who was, of course, the road dog. And um, there's a lot of Armstrongs in this show, by the way. I didn't know that going into it. There's almost like, there's like two matches from now, another Armstrong. Um, almost like it's too much. It's almost too many Armstrongs because I got to a point and I'm like, wait a minute, is that the same guy? Oh, it's Brad Armstrong. Okay, fine. Because, again, blonde mullets. They all look alike. Um, those Armstrongs, they all look alike. And so <laughs> apparently Buddy E. Lee Roberts uh, hurt his arm. He's in a sling. He's selling the gimmick. And uh, they turned into just a regular tag team match. But they were very clear that they were being seconded, not managed, not, but seconded at ringside by Buddy Ely Roberts and Bullet Bob Armstrong. Um, 
Wild Eyes Southern Boys come out, and last week uh, for Bash of the Beach, we realized that they were also going to be a southern rock group. So another musician group. Uh, also another group who has uh, love for the Confederate flag. And it's almost too much. Almost. Yes. <laughs> like, almost. All, all we're we teetering. We're teetering. the ring apron to be a big Confederate flag. Because all six people involved in this match are sporting some version of the Confederate flag somewhere on their body. Uh, and this is how we open the show. On TBS in 1990. Holy shit. <laughs> um, the match is what it is. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, it, yeah. it's a, it's a free birds match with, with Michael Hayes doing a lot of selling. Uh, and it's one of those things that, you know, we mentioned it last week that, uh, the, the, the makeup, like, again, I don't know what point in time this is for the free birds. Um, but there, we haven't seen any Terry Gordy yet. And that obviously could be for a reason. He could be, you know, I don't know, injury, not signed with WCW rehab. I have no idea what's going on, but the, the main, the, my, me- my main memory of the Freebirds was always Michael Hayes, Jimmy Garvin, and Terry Gordy. Um, and so far, we haven't got that. And it was always usually Michael Hayes being the mouthpiece, as we talked about last week, and Jimmy Garvin and Terry Gordy being the in-ring guys. And so far, we've gotten two Michael Hayes matches, which are fun to look back on, but they're not going to give you, you know, five stars at the Tokyo Dome. Nope. So um, I'm looking. I'm looking here about the uh, involvement of Terry Gordy because it's, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I thought he was around this time too. But uh, I mean, he definitely shows up in ECW years was, later. But that's easily five to seven years after this because I think he was he was another one of those fake Italians in the FBI. Yeah, I think I think it ended with him and the Freebirds in the in end of the eighty eight eighty nine area um, yeah. with them. Which is surprising because I always associate Gordy with with them in the nineties, but uh, no, it looks like um, yeah, it was eighty eight, and then uh, Hayes and Garvin were paired as the Freebirds in WCW in eighty nine. Um, so maybe it was like a dispute over wild. record royalties or something. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe. I mean, maybe Bad Street USA was Gordy's song, and and Hayes stole it from him. We got a little bit of a Beatles scenario here. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, look, if the Beatles couldn't stay together, there's no way the Freebirds are staying together because, you know, they are the greatest rock and roll band of all time. And we're not done with the Freebirds, not by a long shot. No, no, not at all. (laughs) By a long shot on this show. Uh, The match goes about eight and a half minutes. And uh, the is a who we got who we got with a it was a roll up, right? Another uh, double sunset flip, I think. Another non-finish finish. Non-finish finish. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the wild-eyed Southern boys pick up the win. This time, they're actually credited as the wild-eyed Southern boys. Last last week, they were just the Southern boys and called the wild-eyed Southern boys. Now they're actually full of gimmicks and they got their their coats with their their new Confederate flags. They look very shiny and, and very very inappropriate in 2020. But you know what? Different time. Um, and Mike, after this, we get to get an answer to a question that I know you and I have really been thinking about. Where are they in the tag team rankings? Holy and shit. And later on in the show, they're going to tell us where they are in the tag team rankings. And I'm on the edge of my couch right now to see those rankings. 
Tony Schiavone, I, I got to give him credit, put in a lot of reading overtime for this show. Um, yes. And and it's there's a tag team. And I like that because rankings is the correct term, but they kept calling it ratings. And, and I when they first started, I, I, my ears perked up because, you know, of course, in current day, all AEW wants to talk about is ratings and ratings and ratings. Yep. And I'm like, what are they doing? Like back in the 90s, they were talking about that. Come on. That, no way. No, they were just using the wrong word. So sure. the tag team ratings and the world championship ratings or the top 10, whatever the fucks. Um, it's, it, you know, it's one of those things. Um, it get it can. Hmm. I don't hate the concept of it because it gives everybody on the card a reason to be shooting for the championship, uh, which was something that uh, I liked about. Is an old. It's a very old school pro wrestling thing. You know, it's like um, the one that always stood out to me. Again, being a WWF guy was uh, WrestleMania four, they did the battle Royal. Okay. And, and bad news Brown lost to Bret Hart, but he double crossed to the, you know, hold, Oh, no, bad news Brown won the, the thing. Whatever the fuck happened. You know what happened anyway. Afterwards, there's an interview with bad news Brown and he didn't give a shit about the battle Royal, Bret Hart, the trophy, none of it. He was talking about the championship. That's all he was. Heavyweight, and, and Bad News Brown, to the best of my knowledge, had never been in the championship picture in that era. He was just going off. I'm coming after the title. It's like, but, you know, and weird from a current pro day pro wrestling where everybody has to be in a storyline and why are you kind of breaking storylines to go off? But remembering back then, it's like, oh, yeah, it's all about the title. You're, you're a pro wrestler because you want to be the champion. You know, you get into sports because you, you know, football because you want to get into the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's what this mentality was. So I, I like the, the ranking system in that respect. Having Tony Schiavone run down 20 names in a matter of 10 seconds live <laughs> on TV is fucking horrible television. Not 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 only was it horrible, but I had to rewind it four times <laughs> to understand what was happening. I had to take a screenshot of the TV while I was watching it because I didn't know what the hell was happening. So the 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 ratings the rate the ratings the the ranking system seems a bit uh, pretty straightforward to me. You know, they took the ten people and. You know the 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 U.S. in the tag team division, the U.S. tag team champions is no, is obviously ranked number one. So they're the number one contenders to the world tag team champions, which was doom in this situation. Uh, it's similar in the singles. Um, the United States champion actually was number two because you know Ric Flair is around. So and Ric Flair is not the champion, so obviously Ric Flair is number one contender to Sting, which. <laughs> Is, is all kinds of weird because, you know, then Lex Luger's right below him. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's actually incorrect. I'm incorrect. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, but Ric Flair was ahead of Arn Anderson. Yes. Who was a champion as well. TV champ. Yep. That's, that's where it was. Because I did remember when I was watching it, making note, being like, Ric Flair's not a champion and he just lost the championship, yet he's still higher than one of the second tier championships. Uh, okay, but Lex Luger was a number one contender as a U.S. champion. Okay, um, the one that gets really confusing that we'll, we'll get to a little bit later on is when he's doing the uh, the interview with Brian Pillman. Oh yeah, that yep. 
is where you even heard Tony Schiavone getting pissed off with the fact he had to continue reading all the rules involved with the gauntlet. But we'll get there in a little bit. Uh, he's interviewing Rick and Scott Steiner. Uh, they're they're all about doom. They're they're talking about doom. They're talk, all about talking about doom. And then, again, I like it in theory. Uh, it doesn't push really their match or their story, uh, but it does show that they're they're trying to be the world champions. Which okay, I understand it. Uh, but they again, much like um, last last week, we were talking about who was the oh Vader. Uh, yeah. the, they were debuting Vader la- on last week's show, and. He was from Parts Unknown. Nobody knew where he was from. And nobody really had a good way to sell that besides saying, I don't know anything about him and nobody else does and we don't know where he's from. Kind of similar to this. Um, they, they were going up. Uh, I don't know what the fuck. Who are the Steiners going up against? Maximum Overdrive. Okay. So, really? Yep. Really? Yeah, okay. it was uh, it was Hunter and Silencer. Hunter and Sil- why did I purge that? I I must have. Don't uh, worry, you, you weren't the only one, Mike. Don't worry about that. Well, I'm trying, I'm trying to get my shit together here because I was thinking of the other tag team match. I think with uh oh yeah, that's uh that's oh Master be- Blaster. Okay, so yeah. they're, they're, they're okay. They're they're both named after movies. I get it. That that that's what I that's what I got confused with. That's good creative right there. That's that's oh Jesus yeah they're they're wonderful. Uh, but so okay, so nobody knows anything about Maximum Overdrive. Uh, it's an unknown team. So he, Tony looks to Rick Steiner. How are you prepared? We never prepare. I don't know what he's thinking. Pointing to Scott, and I'm never thinking. We have no thoughts. It's like, oh, man, this is. I get it. I get what you're trying to do, guys, but you're not doing it. <laughs> I understand you're trying to say, oh, there's never a plan and we're rogue and we're reckless and all that stuff. But you're just not selling it because you're just saying, I don't know, over and over again. But they're saying it very loudly. Everybody's yelling tonight. A lot of grown men just yelling at my TV. (laughs) The the other thing I found interesting with this promo was they just won the titles from the Midnight Express. Yeah. And their next concern is we want to fight Doom. It's not like we're going to defend these titles. We're the U.S. Tag Team Champions. Fuck these shit. Fuck these yeah. titles. We're going for Doom. Yeah, and, and again, that, that's that's one of the downsides of the whole like ranking system and and having you know having that hierarchy be so prevalent and so in the focus of, of the current storyline is yeah like they it's great that they won the titles, but be, because they're literally you know have this ranking system those titles only get you to second place in this situation. You're just the number one contenders. It's basically a number one contender's belt, basically. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I get it in the form of this, the way they're selling this, but it does diminish the titles, um, which, okay, <laughs> you're diminishing the United States Tag Team Championships, which last week's show I completely fought, forgot were a thing. Uh, so. well, you gotta look. You, you gotta look at the lineage of oh. the. You know, you go back to. I think the first ones were George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. I think they were the first uh, United States champions from Mount Vernon. <laughs> it's GW. <laughs> <laughs> what What do you think his finishing move would be? Oh God. Oh. Probably like the cherry tree chop or something. Got to be something like that. 
George Washington. Yeah, the wooden tooth. Something, something, <laughs> something gimmicky. Yeah. Gonna get home and apparently Martha Washington's gonna roll him a big fat joiner or whatever the fuck he said in Days of Confused. <laughs> uh, but moving on, your boy. It's time oh. for oh man, Nature Boy Buddy Landell versus Captain Mike Rotunda. This match, <laughs> holy shit! From there's so much. Like you want to talk about unpacking. This match has so much shit going on. The exterior of it, you can't even get to the actual wrestling match, which was wildly mediocre. Mike Rotunda looked really pissed off because he was basically dragging Buddy uh, Buddy Landell around the ring like a fucking ragdoll. Okay, we start with a close-up of Buddy Landell pointing to his shoulder and what looks like a tattoo that says Skid Row. Kids, Google it. They were a band in the 80s. They were not great. It's like kind of a low-rent poison. Um, and he was really happy about it. Like he's sitting there fangirling out. He's just like, yeah, my boy Snake. I got the tattoo. Skid Row, baby. And I'm just like, dude, what the? F-? Like, the first, like, again, this is the first time. Well, I watched this for the second time today. Earlier in the week was the first time, and I was like, what am I? What's going on here? He's yeah. look, like he literally looks like he should be in the crowd, pointing to his arm with a tattoo saying "Nature Boy." It's like, why are you fangirling in the middle of a show like this? Anyway, we'll get back to the tattoo because it does come up a little bit later in the match. Then we cut to the the ring entrance. Captain Mike Rotunda, <laughs> naval captain Mike Rotunda, and his windbreaker is being escorted to the ring by a woman. Oh, and this woman is escorting him because she won the Burger King Ringmaster Poetry Challenge. What is going on in WCW? Uh, the lovely Cindy Anderson. You got her name. I didn't even get, I didn't even get that. I'm like, what did he just say? The My, Burger King what? I, I, I got to tell you, and, and this is shame on me. I spent an hour trying to find the poem she wrote for the contest and I couldn't find it. And if anyone can get a copy of this, please, 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 I need it. It's, it's, it's like the Indiana Jones, uh, you know, what what was the thing in that Indiana Jones bullshit thing? He's he's looking for the idol. Uh, He's looking for the idol in in Raiders, in the opening of Raiders. Yeah, I I completely get what you're saying. But yeah, uh, the the Holy Grail is what you were thinking of, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, the Burger King Ringmaster Poetry Challenge. Apparently, she wrote a poem about, I don't know, about WCW? Yes, uh, the contest from from what I what I have in my notes here was a poem based on the in ring action and athleticism of her favorite WCW superstars. Now, what exactly does Burger King have to do with it? I, mean, I know they probably sponsored it, but like, was it one of those like mail in things? Like, if you buy seventy whoppers, you mail in like the UPC code with your poem each time or some shit. Like how how are they involved? Because because I, I really want to. I I would have been more impressed if Cindy won like a whopper eating contest. Yeah, and and from the looks of her, she you know she knows her way around an onion ring for sure. But the this this was like a kind of like a 
reading rainbow um <laughs> kind of poem contest i think it was i was waiting for lavar burton to show up on this thing too but th there was no real like just send us a poem and burger king sponsoring it that was really the long and the short of it um this well, was also by the way um i did some googling on burger king around this time yeah do you know they had fun shape chicken fingers or chicken tenders that they were selling fun shape no yeah what, there was, what, there what was, was a fun three. shape there was what a shapes star were, which, which shapes were fun there was a star there was a duck and a circle so they made a chicken tender in the shape of a duck yes when i could, it, could, it could have been a chicken but it looked like a duck <laughs> well speaking of fun shaped and whopper eating contest buddy landell and uh yeah, so hearing Jim Rossin and Bob Cadell spend way too much time talking about Buddy Landell's relationship with Skid Row and calling out the band members and the fact that he got his new tattoo and, oh, he's loving his friends from Skid Row. And then literally as they finish this, what, what seemed like a 47-minute diatribe about Skid Row, it was way too long for these two professional broadcasters to be talking about this band. They cut to Buddy Landell as Mike Rotunda throws him over, and the goddamn tattoo is already rubbed off. <laughs> it's, a, it's a purple smear across his arm. I'm like, oh. so Because they, they were selling it like he got a real tattoo on commentary. He was pointing to it in the beginning of the match. Look at my new tattoo, Skid Row, man, throwing up the fingers, yeah. And then they are like, oh, yeah, just check out his new tattoo. He talked to me about it today. He got this new tattoo, a new tattoo. It, it's rubbed off. <laughs> like, literally. He's probably in the back with a fucking bottle of Thunderbird and a magic marker right before the match. Going, this is going to be so cool, man. It wasn't. No. He stinks. Um, <laughs> looks like uh, there was a couple of, you know, old school moves, some abdominal stretches, a couple of poor hip tosses, and uh, a backslide at 538 for the victory. Way to go. <laughs> Way he, to go, Captain Mike. <laughs> he also, Buddy Landell, two weeks in a row, yeah. knocked himself silly doing a fucking suplex. Again, he's terrible. He, he's uh, horrible. And, and, and again, I, you know, I, 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 a little bit of research I've done. He had he had substance problems, but most people did at that time, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he. He's, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. He looked. Yeah, he looked. Come on, man. Yeah, I don't know. No sober person gets excited about a fucking Skid Row tattoo. <laughs> Even Sebastian Bach's like, dude, really? Yeah. Fucking, you not? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. You not? Shit, man. I got a Motley Crue tattoo. <laughs> uh, yeah, Skid Row, terrible. Bunch like Buddy Landell, so it all makes sense. Uh, anyway, now we go back to Tony Schiavone, who has the losers of the opening contest, the Fabulous Freebirds, with him. They're complaining and bitching and moaning about, oh, that cheated and the ref did something. It's a lot of shouting again. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's pro wrestling and it's old school pro wrestling. But <laughs> there's pro wrestling shouting, which Michael Hayes has a good pro wrestling shouty voice. But the, 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 the third guy there, the Buddy R. Lee, Army, yeah, whatever the fuck his name is, Smith. Yeah. his was like, like almost intrusive to the yeah. point of feeling 
like, bro, why are you yelling at me? Like, please, you stop. You're hurting my feelings at this point. He was just so angry. And, and like, <laughs> yeah, halfway through it, Bill I'm like, has his red face paint on. <laughs> yeah, halfway, I closed my eyes. I'm like, dad, dad, what is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Dad, stop hitting me. <laughs> Christ. Anyway, this was all to to get us to the, the real meat and potatoes of this show. Um, this, is main, this is the main event right this, here. This really is. Main event comes in two matches into the show. Uh, it's basically uh, the Freebirds family vacation in L.A. Yeah. I, it's it's a poorly, poorly put together, I guess. I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to be. It's not a music video. I, I don't know a, what it was. It's not a behind-the-scenes making the music video. I don't. I, I don't know what they were trying to go for here, but it's it's literally Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, way too tight in the back of what's supposed to be a limo. It's probably a Caprice Classic, uh, getting driven to the record studio, which, as you can see, when they actually duke it out, is just a Holiday Inn, and there's you know screaming people and fans and and okay, great, way too much eyeliner, and they get out the the screaming fans and and get me an autograph, blah blah blah. All of a sudden, their music starts playing, and now we get a montage of <laughs> Michael and Jimmy's California vacation, which includes standing with the Hollywood sign in the background and open flowing pirate shirts, and then in those same outfits, including fanny packs, going and getting hot dogs. <laughs> that was it. That's then we it. cut back, and they're getting back into the quote-unquote limo, which we never actually saw. From the Holiday Inn, which was the record studio, <laughs> and they drive off, and I was like, <laughs> "What the ass was that?" And, and I can't, I can't reiterate enough because sometimes people exaggerate when they do these things and whatnot. I, I we are not lying to you. It was show up, Hollywood sign, eat hot dogs, get the fuck out of here. That was it. That was it. We were all over L.A., man. We made it to Hollywood. The Freebirds went Hollywood. You ate hot dogs, man. Yeah. Like, like, it wasn't. And, and now, that might be the most famous hot dog stand in all of Hollywood. I don't know because they never cho- showed the sign. They nope. just showed Michael in an open, flowing pirate shirt with a fanny pack shoving a hot dog into his face. And someone thought, fucking gold, man. TBS is going to love this shit. Do you think they high-fived after and they oh go, fucking fo- follow that, nature boy? They basically, like, you could see in their eyes how, that, this is how I know how, they, how high they are. Because, and how much, more importantly, how much they really love this gimmick and persona and believe in it. Because you could see the twinkle in both their eyes being like, this is fucking great. Like, they legitimately believe that. Watch it again. And especially Michael Hayes, because he's got the eyeliner, so his eyes are really popping on camera. And, and it's like, you can see it in his eyes, man. He fucking believes that this is the best shit pro wrestling will ever see in the history of pro wrestling. Like, people will look back on this and be like, Flash 12, man. That Freebirds video? Revolutionary. Yeah. Fucking changed the in Fuck NWO. Freebirds in Hollywood eating hot dogs, man. I, I would be very I'd be very interested to talk to wrestlers nowadays like the big ones like Kevin Owens and, sure. and Drew McIntyre be like 
how, how were you impacted by them eating hot dogs in Hollywood? Like, did that change you as as a wrestling fan to make you want to do what you want to do? How how was the world's greatest rock and roll band going out for hot dogs? How did that make you want to be a professional wrestler? Please explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely have to. We got to do a survey on, on on Twitter on this one because I mean, this is a true watershed moment in this business. It really is. You know, show up, eat hot dogs, and leave. That's it. Freebirds hot dog vacation or the NWO formation? Which one impacted the business more? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, speaking of the NWO, we come back to the next match. The fucking names. <laughs> White Lightning Tim Horner God, versus the Candy Man Brad oh, Armstrong. Oh, that's his partner. Oh, you, sorry, not even versus. Yeah, I haven't got yeah, that far yet. Yeah, you got you got the you got the White Lightning and Candy Man. And Mike, listen, I know the hot dog is impacting you right now. It is, it, it, but we got we, we got the Candy Man, and he's going to show you what's up right now. Candyman, another Armstrong brother. Uh, would have got it. They all look the same. Tim Horner and Brad Armstrong, also known as White Lightning and the Candyman, versus Iron and Steel, the Master Blasters. The only thing about this match that has any interest to me is the fact that it's fucking the WCW debut of Kevin Nash. He is an orange mohawked version of Steel. They are filthy, by the way. They just got shit all over them. Jr. actually comments on that. He uh, he goes there. They're straight from the steel yard. I mean, are again, they? look, I, I, it's one of those things you could tell. Uh, someone that, that was in charge of, of creative, in, especially in WCW, was, and I think wrestlers probably in general, because a lot of them back then had a lot to do with their thing. That's why they were all kind of, that's why you get Nature Boy Buddy Landell. Yep. Like literally being like, no, this is what I'm doing. Like we have a nature boy. He's Ric Flair. He's the greatest professional wrestler ever. I don't give a shit. I'm doing it. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. We, we need five minutes, buddy. <laughs> go, go out. Anyway, I, I think they were all really into Mad Max and the road warrior because Kevin Nash literally looks like the, the Mohawk guy, uh, fucking Wes in, in road warrior, you know, master blaster, was a character in the Road Warrior. The Road Warriors are a tag team. The, they literally, at one point, I forget which promotion, it was one of the, the Southern Territories, actually had a wrestler dress up as the Lord Humongous, the, the main baddie from Road Warrior. The full yeah. mask, the, the, the S&M gimmick, and that was his thing. He was Lord Humongous. So... Yeah, it is what it is, but we get the in-ring debut on WCW of Kevin Nash. And, uh, yeah, do you, do you know where they hail from, uh, the, the Master Blasters there, Rich? Um, no, I must have missed that on their intro. The post-apocalyptic city of Detroit. Oh. Yes. From the post-apocalyptic motor city, Detroit. I mean, that's not even made up. That's just how they're introduced. <laughs> Master <laughs> blasters known as iron and steel. Which one's iron? Which one's steel? And do you give a shit? <laughs> oh, oh, well, I, I, I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, 
funny you should say. Uh, Kevin Nash was steel, and a gentleman named Al Green was iron. Uh, and there was Al a, Green? Uh, no, no, uh, his his cousin. Oh, um, a different Al Green. Um, Bob and Barry. <laughs> he uh, he actually stayed with WCW for a little while after this, but um, jobbers and whatnot, and. Uh, Oddly enough, uh, his contract was not picked up by uh, WWF when they bought him in 2001. I don't know why, because if they played this match, I, I don't know why he wasn't signed for a contract. I mean, how was Iron not The Undertaker's first fucking matchup in a couple months? No, I, I have no <laughs> idea. And I also like the uh, production value of Kevin Nash's tights mm. with uh, steel written in electrical tape. I not sequence, not that. stitching. It was straight up electrical tape. That's something. I, so I did see something written. I couldn't tell what it was, and and I lost interest real quick. Uh, so I, I didn't get that far to even seeing it's electrical tape. But there was a few. Uh, going back to the Freebirds for a second, because why wouldn't we? Um, clearly, Jimmy Garvin's trunks said Freebird on the ass. And I really looked, and I couldn't tell what the hell Michael Hayes had on the back of his trunks. It looked like it said fuchsia, but I just don't know. Like, it, it might have been something in French, but that makes zero sense. It was like, uh, I, Fantasia. I, I have it in my notes. Because I was looking at, Mike, I was looking at his ass, too. <laughs> How and, do you not? <laughs> They're shaking uh, it for the money makers. <laughs> for all those hot dogs. Right. Um, yeah, Fantasia and Freebird. I don't know what the connotation is. Why? I have no idea. I mean, it would make more sense if like he's his said fabulous and Jimmy said Freebird because at least that's the team name and they can shake their asses together because they're doing the are they gay, aren't they gay thing all the time. Like it was very clear and they even like made clear reference to they they're doing that when uh, when Michael Hayes at one point jumped in. I love that we're back on this match again. Michael Hayes just that was the first fucking match. We're forty two minutes in and and Michael Hayes jumped into Jimmy Garvin's arms and did kind of like a like a scared like oh no he's gonna hurt me type of thing and then all of a sudden he jumped out and they kind of kind of started wiping themselves off like oh you know don't, don't, don't be gay or nothing you know stuff like yeah. that and and. And even, of course, Jr. may come in. And last last month, Jr. was just all over them on that stuff. Different, different time, different time. Uh, but like, and, and and then they go and eat penis shaped foods. What, what does Fantasia even mean? <laughs> what? Why would you put, like? Why would the fabulous Freebirds, the greatest rock and roll band in the world, who oh. love them some Confederate flags and yelling at the top of their lungs, why would they put Fantasia on one of their trunks? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's it's the mystery for the ages. And if you all know, definitely tweet at us. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what what the hell happened with this match. The so, so this is also the first match, Mike, yeah. of of that we did that actually had a finisher used to win a match. So it looks double, like um, a, double right, shoulder massive, tackle. a double shoulder tackle on Horner. What was his name again? Tim Horner. Tim Horner. White uh, White Lightning. I do love that they, they made some moonshine references to this. There was a lot of Southern references. Like, I don't know what was going on at the time, and I'm sure if I Googled it, I'd find out, but whatever. I'm not that into it. Um, but JR, obviously, CNN and, and Turner and all of them are based in Atlanta, but JR was ca calling out Atlanta a lot. Like, I gotta say hi to all our people down in Atlanta and all doing all this stuff. And then, you know, the. 
the wild eyes southern like the whole thing was just very southern wrestling which i know wcw was i'm just kind of calling a spade a spade on this one but it's like the the moonshine the white lightning references the, the wild eyed southern boys it's a lot let me I'm, that's that's what i'm trying to get at it's a lot this match went five minutes and i think we've talked about this one enough kevin nash will go on to better things than clash of champions 12 mountain boogaloo um <laughs> I don't even know what the fucking name of the thing is anymore. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Does it matter? Oh, it really it's doesn't. the Hot Dog Safari. It's a, yes. It, it's a WCW by way of NWA Atlanta's Hot Dog Safari. Um, Tony Schiavone is interviewing Flying Brian Billman. And this is, oh, you can hear Tony Schiavone yeah. get audibly pissed off halfway through this interview. And it's at no fault of Pillman's. Uh, so there's this, this new concept in WCW called the gauntlet. And it is extensive. It takes place over three nights. Okay. And if you win three matches with randomly selected opponents, you'll be awarded $15,000. However... If you lose, those three random opponents will then split the $15,000. And they take place over three nights on Friday's Power Hour, WCW Saturday night, and main event on Sunday. Now, I just laid out the whole concept for Gauntlet in a, what, about 20 seconds or so? Yeah. It took Tony Schiavone about six minutes because he had to say over three nights, Friday Power Hour, WCW Saturday night, and main event on Sunday. He had to say that line four times. Yep. And on the third one, he literally got to WCW Saturday and just go, oh, like you could hear the sigh in him. He's like, he, he's like, I have to say this shit again? Friday Power Hour, WCW Saturday. Like he just starts listing at that point and it almost becomes very monotone and like you just get through it. Just get through it. If I just keep talking, I'll just get through it. And then they, one of my favorite things, because again, there, this is live to tape. And as soon as they're wrapping up, Tony Schiavone and Brian Pillman do the, you know, the classic All right, We're wrapping this up. We got a hold on a big smile. So everybody's smiling and Schiavone being the professional holds his smile because there's somebody behind the camera saying, and we're clear with a point. Pillman, as soon as Shafani gives his last, like, and we'll find out what happens on the gauntlet on Friday nights, made of where the fuck they're talking about. Pillman just, his face drops. So it's like, because he's the whole time, he's very smiley. He's the, you know, as they said, the white meat baby face. He's the, you know, athletic blonde mullet. He's jumping around. He's flying Brian. He's having a great time. He smiles, smiles, smiles. And then it's like, oh, that split second of that's the real guy. He hates being there. <laughs> it was a fleeting second that if you know what you're looking for, you will catch it at the end of every one of these promos because it's always that they're either waiting in the beginning for someone to point and say, go. Uh, Gordon Soli did it on the last one a lot where he would go and nod and go, okay, welcome back, everybody. It's like, fuck, man, just. Somebody send these guys to broadcasting school, please. I I just don't know how this idea wasn't a success. Um, the gauntlet when, when it, it's terrible. Oh yeah, 
whatever the first the this I'm I'm gonna read you the first bullet point. A wrestler is selected from eligible candidates who have agreed to compete. That's right. I forgot that. What? What what does that mean? I don't know. You have to first be eligible and then agree. (laughs) Like, like, uh, you're eligible for the gauntlet. Nah. (laughs) I guess we gotta pick somebody else. You think Rick Flair is going to run that gauntlet? Yeah, I don't know if he's eligible. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not. He's going to apply for the lottery draft raffle. <laughs> Whenever you have multiple pages of bullet points to explain a concept, I don't... And you have to do it, like, in such, like, a short amount of... Like, they only had a few a few seconds of a promo. Like, you know, realistically, they had, like, what, two minutes or so. And the, the thing about the gauntlet is... It wasn't even like there wasn't any matches. This was for their their like coming on TV, right? Uh, and it makes sense because this you know some paper. Yeah. Yet, but so there there wasn't any actually gauntlet matches that I was like I just overlooked watching this, right? No, it was more just like filler. Like yeah. this was stuff that was on the weekly show. They never culminated on a, a clash or uh, pay per view or anything like this. This was just TV fuller shenanigans. Uh, so the next matchup is the Nasty Boys, Jerry Sags, Brian Knobs versus Jackie Fulton, and right off his Red Rooster run, Terry Taylor. I, I, this is a match. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, it is a match. It's it's a match. Uh, you you got a bunch of you know fu- functional guys in there. Uh, it's uh, about seven minutes long. Uh, nasty boys do nasty boy stuff. Uh, back in the day, they they were they were solid. They were they were a good big man tag team. Uh, and uh, the the sags elbow drop to a win. It's a it's a cool move. You know, it's yes. always fun to get uh to get big guys jumping off and doing flying shit. I mean, we got these days the big agile guys, Keith Lee, who's getting all the the big the big press, the big buzz. Uh, but that, yeah, it was always. Because it was more rare back in the day. Now everybody does, you know, flips and shit like that. But back then, to have a guy the size of Jerry Sags and the Nasty Boys jumping off the top rope with a big elbow, it's like, that's all right. Good for yeah. you, pal. Yeah. <laughs> Fair uh, fucks to that. Match, really? Uh, um, you know, it no. was just there. <laughs> it was there. It was, it was there. just it was, there. Yeah, it was. It was to get us ready to. I think the next match is really our co-main event um, <laughs> of, of the evening. Um, but prior to that, um, Sid has an interview. Screaming Sid Vicious, another another large man yelling at me. <laughs> yeah, and he, uh, you know, just talks about whatever, brings up Stan Hansen for no fucking reason at all. And uh, Sid um, does not give a shit about the Black Scorpion. Let me tell you no, that much. <laughs> no, he does not. Because he just immediately dismisses it and says he wants to be the world champion and take on Sting. It's yep. just, Tony, Tony's trying to sell the main event. He's like, I don't give a shit about the Black Scorpion. I'm going to kill him. I was like, what, what is... Oh, fucking Oli has the book, doesn't he? Great. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's classic Sid right there. God. Classic Sid. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that that does lead us to our co-main event: Wild Bill Irwin versus Wildfire Tommy Rich. It's the battle of the wilds. <laughs> so we nice. have uh, Wild Bill Irwin, who uh, yeah. later would become uh, the goon in uh, the WWF. 
That's why you um, okay. Yeah. Against uh, our favorite wrestler. I think it's the podcast's favorite wrestler. Yep. Uh, wildfire Tommy Rich. Wildfire Tommy Rich. Uh, future Italian Tommy Rich. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and And Bob points out that uh, he's wearing very patriotic tights this evening. Um, it was more like the Puerto Rican flag, <laughs> but um, patriotic nonetheless. I mean, they're red, white, and blue, man, but yeah. They were very much the Puerto Rican flag on his trunks. <laughs> yes. But hey, good for him. <laughs> no, God, bl- God bless his heart. God, God bless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tommy Rich gets the win with uh, Luthes Press in about four minutes. Um, Devastating uh, finisher. Devastating <laughs> finisher. And also, I enjoy the fact that JR had to, again, tell us about 1981. About mm-hmm. Harley Race, third youngest world champ of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean... I, I, I'm telling you, I can't wait to see more Tommy Riches. We watch these pay-per-views and these shows. I can't get enough of Tommy Rich and his TR and his fucking boots and his fucking Puerto Rican tights, Mr. Fucking USA. This fucking guy. I don't get it. I still don't get it. I'm not going to get it. He sucks. Look, when Tommy Rich commits to an ethical background, he goes all in. Just ask <laughs> la- later ECW when he's in the FBI. He is yeah. all in on the Italian. Of course, I believe he was wearing the Irish flag. He didn't know the difference. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so we get a, another look at the, the inaugural WCW Top 10 ratings or rankings list. Um, yeah, this is, this is more of Tony Schiavone listing over, you know, words. We get the tag team ones, which, uh, of course, Doom are the tag team champions. U.S. champions are the Steiner brothers, followed by the Rock and Roll Express. The yes. Horsemen are I, I'm so glad they made that, by the way. I'm, I was worried about the Rock and Roll Express. They have to. I'm, they have, they I'm have to. so glad. You can't have a top 10 without them. 100%. Followed by the Midnight Express. Uh, followed by the Wild Eyes Southern Boys. Then the Fabulous Freebirds. Samoan SWAT team. Uh, here's a tag team. Didn't know existed, but it did. Flying <laughs> Brian Pillman and the Z-Man. We'll get to the Z-Man shortly. Um... Junkyard Dog and El Gigante is apparently the what what happened to the the old dude brothers? Uh, the, yeah, the, the, Paul, the attitude dudes. Yeah, dudes with attitudes. Did uh, did Orndorff fuck off? <laughs> He's like, I don't I don't want any part of your rating system. I don't even like being here, but it's a paycheck. Also, yeah. here's another team because uh, didn't we just see him in with another partner? Uh, apparently, <sighs> Mike Rotunda and Tim Horner round out the top ten, but didn't we just see? White Lightning Tim Horner with the Candyman. Why wasn't he with his tag team partner, uh, Naval Captain Mike Rotunda? Are they what different people, though? Here? Are is they it, different people? Deception? Are there two Mike Horner? Are there two Tim Horners? I, mean, I need very, answers. They very well could be. It's, it's kind of like a Buddy Landell situation. It was two <laughs> Tim Horners, and they, neither one would back down in their name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So then we come back, and uh, we, get a, we get a promo from Stan Hansen. Oh, good God I mean, I... Again, I was a WWF guy. Uh, I didn't, as a kid, didn't know really much about WCW, NWA guys. I was introduced to Stan Hansen, which is literally this character in the movie No Holds Barred. He was the guy dripping, chewing tobacco shit out of his mouth, onto his chest, in a dirty-ass bathroom, yelling teeny whiners at the two executives sitting next to him. (laughs) And that was Stan Hansen, in, like growing up as a kid. That's that's what I knew him as. Oh, he's a teeny whiners guy. Yeah, I fucking got it. 
And then it's like I see stuff like this, like, oh, he really was that guy. Like that he, he was just there was no there was no script in that in that movie. He was just, oh, I'm just gonna do Stan Hansen. Okay, cool. You're weird enough and gross enough. <laughs> and I think that's what Shivani even says. He's like, This guy's disgusting or something like that. And he was. It was just like it looked like I mean, it was it was chewing tobacco, and it was not only was the the juice dripping all over his chest, but actual chunks of chewing tobacco were coming out of the side of his mouth as he was yelling about how pissed he was that he was ranked number six on this inaugural top ten list. <sighs> I'm is, number six, and I'm gonna bail. Like he didn't even give ass. a shit. He didn't. He didn't care anymore about Sting. He didn't care about the black score again. This this whole. <laughs> It's like we get it. You guys are trying to sell the main event, but all of a sudden you introduce this top ten thing where obviously these alpha males are all going to want to compete for number one. And wow, did they just go off the rails off these top ten lists? Number six, like he was so legit pissed. Stop yeah. it. That was yeah. that was not acting. He was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? I'm gonna go back and slap Oli in the teeth." Him and his mustache. Yeah. That, that 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 fucking caterpillar that he had on his fucking lip, good God Gross. Almighty! Fucking nasty man. Yeah. Um, he, and 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 honestly, the the grossness from him, you, you, we haven't even scratched the surface. Oh no, we 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 have more Stan Hansen coming up, which I'm very excited about. I, li- I like that our favorites are kind of making returns throughout the shows. Um, yes. You know, even three segments with the Freebirds, it's wonderful. It's a great show. Uh, <laughs> that brings us to. The LPWA World Women's Championship. It's time for lady wrestling, as JR Woo! put it. Bambi versus Susan Sexton. Okay. Yep. Yep. It, it's it's okay. a it, yep. it's a glow match, basically. Yeah. It, it's it's ladies wrestling in the in the early nineties, and I mean it. You it carries all the tropes that you know women's wrestling carried back in those days, including. The, the, I don't know if it was JR or Bob who, who said it. He's like, oh, we don't really see ladies wrestling anymore. It's like, wow. And, you know, just, wow, Bambi, what's, what's her last name? And both of them had the same punchline. They couldn't wait to step on each other's <laughs> deer because it's like, he's a deer. It's like, God yep. damn it, someone figure out who's going to make the joke. <laughs> not well, even that good. <laughs> so, so not only that, but, but Bob makes a deal with JR. That he's gonna hook Jr. with the winner for a nice dinner after the show, because that's what women's wrestling in the '90s is all about. I'm gonna take your mother, Dorothy Mantooth, out for a nice <laughs> dinner and not call her again. <laughs> that is the that that's the best we can do for women's wrestling in 19. 19- yeah, they got four minutes, man. They got four minutes. They they shook hands afterwards because. There's no story here. Let's be honest. No, nope. they, they barely were getting commentary. <laughs> and what, what was up? With, what was up with the title belt? That thing was just bedazzled before bedazzled was a thing. Ladies that thing just looked that. like a fashion bug piece of jewelry. I mean, we a lot of this stuff is NWA, but this was LPWA, which I'm assuming means Ladies Professional Wrestling Alliance. I'm gonna Google it right now just to be sure, though. LPWA. Uh, wow, it's not even on the front page of Google. I'm gonna have to add wrestling to the back of this one. I'm not joking. Just make uh, sure you don't spell it incorrectly, because I just did, and I got something about uh, 
wireless technology. So that's what I got too. Uh, LPWA. Oh. Uh, oh, but yeah, no, okay. it was uh, Ladies Professional Wrestling Association, not a line. Oh. And uh, it was a thing. Yeah, it was. It was a thing. Uh, <laughs> it ran uh, it ran until 98. Wow. Um, apparently, let's see. It was considered the successor to women's promotions such as Glow. But uh, it was different than Glow, obviously, because Glow was more stylized in the theme of WWF and sports entertainment. I'm just reading the Wikipedia page. Um, uh, yeah. Holy it, shit, it was... they, had a pay- they had a pay-per-view. Okay. Um, oh, my God. This is opening up doors. Future, future. series. Oh my the God. rise and fall of radi- <laughs> ladies professional wrestling. <laughs> We're deep diving. I don't even know where you would find those. Has WWE bought them yet? I can't believe uh, I can't imagine they're in the fucking vault eBay, here we come. Let's go. Oh boy, tape trading. My days, my glory days of tape trading are coming back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that was a match. Um, it, it, you know, looking back on, on it again, it's, it's one of those things. I'm not sure at this point which one's more insensitive, the treatment of the women on this show or the Confederate flags that are everywhere. <laughs> between, between those two things and Missy Hyatt just heaving out of her dress. You haven't Heaving. even gotten to Missy Hyatt yet. Nope. No. Oh. <laughs> look at only as I can look. <laughs> you are all the way live. <laughs> like, it's just like, and Rick's sitting there doing, like, uh, uh, where does that promo come in? Because that's one of the greatest things ever. I think, uh, I think we missed it, Mike. We're, no, we're off, we definitely we're, didn't. We're, we're off the fucking rails. Um, um, we no, it was after the, it was yeah, it was after the uh, Master Blaster match, um, after Flying Brian, before the Nasty this. Boys. Oh, yeah. you're right! Holy yeah. shit! There it is in my notes. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's, let's rewind for a second here because <laughs> that's just wonderful. Missy Hyatt, Ric Flair, Rick flashing his wedding ring the entire promo while he's basically saying he's going to fuck Missy Hyatt. <laughs> it's. All kinds of wonderful. Looking only as I can look. All the way live, Missy High. <laughs> Holy shit, Rick. You don't even care that you you lost your title last month. You are just all in on Missy Hyatt. Styling and profile. And he did. He held his hand up with his wedding ring the entire promo as if like a giant fuck you to his wife. I'm sure she was like wife number four at that point in the Nature Boy's life. Um, yeah, yeah. And Missy Hyatt showed up like two or three times throughout the show. Yeah, uh, she's fa- she's fantastic. Apparently, she is. She was on one of the shows that did Gauntlet because she kept pushing it. Is it main event? Is it Friday night's main event or something like that? Or uh, the Power Hour? Or, the Power uh, Hour. That was it. Yeah, yeah. Her and Jr. host the Power Hour. I'm sure the JR Thursday night it. fuck shop or whatever else they. Like. <laughs> JR, I'll see you at the power hour. God damn, I'm going to kill this woman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Whiskey, help me now. <laughs> so, so, so seeing Missy Hyatt, I, I viewed it as an eight-year-old, not as, not as a present-day 38-year-old. Right. Like, if I was of age, right. like, I, I think she would have been what Sonny and Sable were to us. Like, she was, well, she, she, she was yeah, something I mean, else. That, that was, like... The, the, the only contrast we really had uh, on WWF uh, was Miss Elizabeth and I don't I don't think they had started with uh, Sensational Sherry yet or they were just starting uh, yeah. because Queen I mean Sherry, that, yeah. yeah because I mean 
that the Sherry was as far as the the women of that era. I, I would say WWF was concerned. Sherry was definitely the most risque. Uh, but it really, she really got more into it when she was with Shawn Michaels. But that didn't come till mid nineties. Uh, yeah. But she was with uh, Macho Man for a while. But yeah, Missy Hyatt was just like she she was she was selling sex to the Southerners, man. <laughs> this 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 was uh yeah if if yeah and let me put the, so putting myself at that age um or at least, you know yes i was yeah put myself at that age um yeah had i known missy hyatt was on the other channel i probably would have changed a couple times yeah at least set my vcr for it um, so so this this gets I, me into a, a, a actually fun story because okay. I, I like to tell stories sure. um I wrote, and this is the God's honest truth, I wrote when I was 17 years old, Stephanie McMahon, a letter asking her to my prom. So, yes. I also, I'm still waiting, um, (laughs) waiting for an answer. Um, I had an infatuation for two people growing up in my mid-teens to early 20s. Kristen Cavalieri okay. and Stephanie McMahon. Kristen to the Cavalieri. point where... What, 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 why do I know that name? Uh, she's from the uh, MTV Laguna Beach Hills. Okay. All that that's, stuff. That's what I thought. Okay. And, and, and I actually got a, I got a funny story about that we can tell on another episode. But I wrote Stephanie McMahon a letter. Mm-hmm. A, a nice, nice written letter. I used cursive. Uh, I used a blue pen. Uh, I used double postage because I want to make sure it got there. Sure. And and I asked her to come to my prom. Mm-hmm. And I go, I just I just want to dance with you to a, a Backstreet Boys love song, and that that's it. That's all I wanted. Like I could be running WWF right now if she got that letter. Uh, you could be. Uh, for I, context, what year were you? Seventeen years old. I was uh, nineteen ninety eight. Um, okay. So this was. Um, I wrote it to her in 99, which is just after she debuted on TV. Yeah. So this is like, so, okay. So, so I'm trying to put put myself in, in the mindset of rich when he's getting ready to write this letter. So what we know of Stephanie McMahon at that time was she had just been abducted by the undertaker Uh and almost, uh, sacrificed slash forced married to the undertaker. Uh-huh. And then we found out that it was actually her dad that was behind the whole thing. Uh, and you thought, yeah, prom date. <laughs> I thought it, I, I thought, it seems like, like an easy yes. <laughs> well, with all things going on in her life at that time, I thought it was an easy yes. I mean, why, why would you say no to a, to a overweight, heavy breathing kid that has, you know, no athletic ability whatsoever? <laughs> Instead, so, you know. She, she kind of went the other way, you know. Yeah. You, you had the chance, Rich. You, you and Triple H, you were right there, neck and neck. If she had just got that letter, it, it would have been different. Like so, instead, I actually purchased a a custom made Stephanie McMahon clock that was on mm-hmm. eBay for forty dollars, um, and I just put it in my room. I I I was infatuated with Stephanie McMahon, um, so. If if she somehow listens to this, because I'm sure uh, we're definitely something she's going to listen to. Sure. Um, 
you know, I you owe me an apology. You you ruined my senior prom, Stephanie. Or at least a, at, at least a a polite phone call. Yeah, a tweet or, or so, just something. Be like, you know what? I got the letter, but I was too busy. But you know what? I'll give you that dance to, you know, show me the meaning of being lonely by the Backstreet Boys. One and of your rain things of it. <laughs> yeah, just you know, wish I had the wish I had the butterfly effect magic, so I could you know have a seizure here and go back into time and you know have my have my slow dance with Stephanie. I think, I think most of us sitting here in 2020 would love a butterfly effect at this point. Just yes. go anywhere else, even if it doesn't yes. include a dance with Stephanie McMahon. I'd, I'd rather yes. take a dance with the fucking Master Blasters at this point. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we're we're yeah. Anyway, United States we? Tag Team Championship match, Maximum Overdrive, not the Emilio Estevez movie, but a tag team named after a movie once again. This is Hunter and the Silencer. I swear to God, Maximum yep. Overdrive, and they're taking on Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers. Um, yeah. Uh, I think um, I think I think the Steiner's botched entrance just kind of took me away from this match, and because it was, it was a Scott Steiner match, really more than anything else. The uh, that that's we said it last week that uh, we're seeing the you know the seeds of what will become the the, the superstar that is Scott Steiner. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that 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 entrance as, from the technical side of things, I was like, aha. They made you go back to the beginning of the ramp and wait. <laughs> they really did. It's like they you saw them take like three steps out. They were all pumped up. They're the champs. They're getting up the crowd and all that shit. And then the cuts to a video. <laughs> and then when they come back, they're literally standing, looking down, and then they nod and get back into it and start walking back to the ring. And I'm like, oh, that's like the saddest thing ever. The crowd must have watched that whole thing go down. That's embarrassing. <laughs> and it was weird because they came back and something I, I did, I couldn't really gather a lot was who was babyface and who was he in a lot of these matches. Cause I mean the, the first, the opening match, let's just go back to the free birds for a minute. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who was supposed to be the, cause they both were doing heel as shit. And, and they yep. talked about uh bullet Bob Armstrong, like breaking a trophy or something like I, I and they're both, I mean, I don't know how racist it was in 1990, but they're both, not really looking too good now. Like if, if a tag team, I don't give a shit whether you're the greatest country southern rock band or the greatest rock and roll band ever. If you come out in a Confederate flag, you're an asshole in this day and age. But back then, different times. So who was, was kind of similar? The, the fans were booing the Steiners. Uh, there was nothing happening for Maximum Overdrive. They were just there to get the Steiners over, I suppose. I, uh, I think it, I think it might have been more barking than booing because we have the dogs. Oh, uh, you know what? That might have been it. They, they they might not have been shitting on him. They might have been trying to play along with with Rick's fucking shenanigans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So, but you know, again, solid match. I uh, went about six and a half minutes, and it ends with uh, another finisher. We actually got a finisher on this one, kind of. I yes. guess at least a move, not a roll up or a clothesline. Yeah. Um, so Rick wow. lifts Hunter up on his shoulders and then, uh, and Scotty jumps up on the top rope or, and fucking really rough in 2020 DDT for the win. I mean, Hunter went all the way and Hunter is, uh, the Hunter, not Hunter Helmsley, of course, uh, Hunter of maximum overdrive here. The goddamn Helmsley. Yes. <laughs> he, he stole, stole my his wife. Game. 
<laughs> and your wife. wife. <laughs> but yeah, he drove like that DDT. He went straight down on his head. There was no concern. He's like, yep, I'll die for this show. <laughs> yeah. I am Hunter of Maximum Overdrive. I will survive this. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, a d- decent, decent tag team match in the, in the grand scheme of this show. Yeah. Uh, Steiner's looked, looked awesome. Uh, I, I'm hoping at some point we finally get the, the Steiner's versus Doom uh, because that's what they keep building towards, and that's the match I really want to see. Because uh, we talked about Doom last week and how underrated uh, they they really are, so yeah. really hope we we end up getting the Steiners on on this uh, this series Steiners versus Doom. Uh, moving on, he's back. Stan the Lariat Hansen. His nickname <laughs> is his fucking clothesline. He yes. named himself the Lariat. He named his clothesline the Lariat. Why? I I mean, who does that shit? I'm that's like I'm Stan the clothesline Hanson. <laughs> Instead of I'm, I'm Stan, I haven't showered in five months and I'm dribbling chew on my chest. Ugh. I'm the super kick kid, Sean Michaels. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, Sean, sweet chin music, super kick, Michaels. <laughs> All right, moving yeah. on. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so last last week uh, I talked about how they gave. They gave Z-Man, Tom Zenk, the big superhero entrance. And I figured that they were doing it to rehearse because they did it for Sting in the main event of Great American Bash. And my, my feeling was that they were like, all right, let's make sure we get the camera moves down. And this is a you know, mid-card thing. He's about to get squashed by Vader. Let's give it to him. No, that's his entrance. Yeah. He got the super, superhero thing in this one where they follow behind. It looks really friggin' cool. He gets to the ring, and Stan Hansen murders him. Yep. The Z-Man stinks. <laughs> <laughs> the Z-Man just got his ass whipped twice. <laughs> Vader so, destroys him, and Stan Hansen just basically vomits all over. It's gross. He, he needs a Z-Pack. The Z man needs a Z back after this shit. The fucking bubble suit and a tetanus shot after this is gross. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if you saw this, Mike, when you were yeah. coming when Stan Hansen was coming to the ring. There was a sign, yeah. and I, I took a picture of it. Okay. St- Stan the Larry Hansen, the All American United National Champion, the All Japan International Champion, the Pacific Wrestling Federation Champion. That's it. So we had our first Wikipedia fan sign. So someone just took a sign of his his credentials and just held it up. And they, they, they take they a hard shot of it on the camera. They, that guy was sitting at home be like, you know what? I got an idea for a sign. What's it going to be? Stan Hansen's resume. <laughs> That's it. He fucking wrote it sideways too. It, I, it looks like he had one one foot longer than the other or something because this I thing was sl- sloping. I'll I'll send you a picture of it. I'll put it on our uh, our Twitter. Please um, do. But this thing, it, it was it was he had a stroke or something halfway through because this <laughs> thing was was sliding off the paper. Uh, also, in the middle of the match, we try to cut back for a live interview with Tony Schiavone and Lex Luger. It doesn't really go well. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know. They're talking about Stan Hansen, who was pissing and moaning about Lex Luger because he was also number six. Luger doesn't really give a shit about Stan Hansen. That's the thing. They tr- I see what they're trying to do. Like, I get it. From, from the creative standpoint, I get it. They're trying to set up these longer feuds that are interwoven where it's like, all right, well, Hansen is kind of below Ric Flair, so he's got to get over that to get to Luger, and he really wants Luger's title. The problem is the wrestlers don't give a shit. Nope. They only care about what's happening that night. Luger's like, I don't give a shit about Stan Hansen. I have Ric Flair tonight. What are we talking about? And it also cutting back in the middle of the match for a live interview back in 1990 with a WCW production, not the brightest move. It, no. Because you spend the first few seconds going, Tony, can you hear me? Tony? <laughs> Tony, it's JR here and uh, Bob. Can you hear me? Bob, can, I don't think you can hear Alright, well, we'll get back to Tony. Oh, you can hear me now, Tony. Tony, can, oh, wonderful. Tony, tell us about, no, he, uh, Tony, can you hear me? Uh, Lex, uh, excuse me, Mr. Package. They actually called him that. He literally started the interview going, uh, so Package, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I, I've always... WCW in 1990. <laughs> I've always wanted to be referred to as Mr. Package. I, I, Mr. Package, <laughs> yes. yes. That, that, that's, 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 that's tremendous. But the, the quality of this video, I was waiting for Lex Luger to hold up that day's newspaper as proof <laughs> of life that... Uh, he he was alive because this was it was like a hostage video. Lex, what cave are they kind of holding you in? <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Hanson beheads the Z-Man with a lariat at three eighteen. Get the win. <laughs> fucking vicious clothesline, man. I see why fucking uh, Bradshaw loved this guy. Holy shit, that clothesline is rough. Yes, and, uh, and yeah. Another week and another match with the Z-Man just uses a punching bag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but it's apparently him and Flying Brian are the number nine tag team in WCW. So, hey, there's that. Oh, so I just got a little piece of info as I'm doing some uh, searching here. All right. uh, Tom Zink was actually a substitute in this match. For? Care, care to guess who? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we okay. talked about him earlier. One of the fantastic dudes with attitudes Paul oh, Orndorff. Okay. So, so this, so it was supposed to be Stan Hansen versus Paul Orndorff. Yes, and uh, Zink was a last-minute sub um, due to injury, quote unquote. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Orndorff. Saw where he was on the, the little, uh, the call sheet there, and he's like, "I'm not getting my ass whipped by Stan Hansen after last month. I had to get some giant over and be called a dude with attitude all night. I, I was in WrestleMania one." <laughs> Somebody, a Mr. Wonderful for sake. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. Somebody steps out of a, a jobber spot, get the Z-Man. He'll take a beating. Uh, so we, we take a look at some footage of Flair and Luger's match uh, from Wrestle War, which was in February. And uh, we get back to another Shivani and Mr. Package interview. Uh, does a little bit better job of putting over the importance of the United States Championship and notes that, uh, you know, Ric Flair needs that title in order to become the number one contender to Sting's title. Probably the most coherent explanation of their raking system that we've had all night. That brings yeah. us to their match. United States Heavyweight Championship, the Nature Boy Ric Flair and the total package Lex Luger. 
yeah, this this is uh, this is a solid match. This is, this is yes. I mean, again, it's one of those things we talked about it last week. Ric Flair, the, the the man is really the best. And as some again, as someone who grew up without Ric Flair, I grew up with Hulk Hogan as a WWF guy. It's so refreshing to look back as an adult and really appreciate, like, oh yeah, he really. That's why everybody talks about him. That's why all the wrestlers are like, yeah, Ric Flair was the best. He's the goat, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, oh yeah, he he really, yeah. Whether he, whether he's winning or losing, he's getting people over. Plain and simple. Yep. Prince money. Um, great match. Lots of chops. How'd you do? Um, it goes. This is one of the longer ones. Uh, yeah, four, fourteen twenty six. Um, yeah. Now before the Smaws uh, finish, uh, <laughs> Stan Hansen comes back. Yeah, he does better than ever. I don't he, think he actually came back. He was still just beating on the Z-Man outside the ring the whole time. <laughs> I was going to kill this motherfucker. Give me some more chow. So it, it, it was an image that, you know, it's it's kind of a microcosm a little bit. Lex Luger is on the floor with Ric Flair. He's on the ground rolling around, and you just see cigarette butts all around Lex Luger. And he's rolling around in cigarette butts, and it's just for some reason the imagery in that just really struck me funny. Um, was, I mean, that, that's a sign of the times. You could smoke arenas back then, plain yeah. and simple. Uh, but there was something I noticed on this. Uh, there was a guy in a tuxedo sitting at ringside, and for the most of the most of the show, whenever they would cut to him, he was sitting on the phone. He was on like a landline, and I don't know what his purpose was, like. What was going on at ringside that this guy, I, I don't know who it was, and, and they never really made an effort to cut to him. It's just I would occasionally catch him when the fights would go outside, and he's sitting there on the phone. And I'm like, is, did this guy like miss a dinner reservation? or What is happening here? He's, I don't get it. And I know, I know it's completely random, but that's the type of, type of shit I see when I'm trying to figure out why Stan Hansen is still at ringside with tobacco Gee. on his chest. Do you think he was maybe the uh, Freebirds record, record was. executive? He was, calling, he was calling in another order of hot dogs for the Freebirds. <laughs> He's on the phone with Oscar Mayer himself. I need more hot dogs for the birds. Michael will not go on stage unless we have 15 hot dogs and brown M&Ms in a brandy glass. Dicks. Uh, so, yeah. yeah Stan so- Hansen jumps in. <laughs> Yeah, the human UTI comes in, and uh, uh, Jesus Christ, he did he just put does he put all the chew in yep. at once? Or I mean, yep. this thing, he's he's part clusterfuck, part mm-hmm. tornado, and he's fucking just everywhere. And then he spits on Luger. He spits the whole lot of it right onto his freaking chest. Imagine that, like you have probably the match of the night on Clash of Champions twelve. Mountain Jam 47, uh, Fall Brawl 96, and you wrap it up, like you bring the house down, you tear it up with Ric Flair, the best in the business, and it ends with you getting a big juicy wad of some dirty bastard's tobacco spit and chew right on your chest. Yeah. That's, that's how you get a payoff, pal. <laughs> and he's the champion! Yes. <laughs> champion uh but nevertheless this obviously ends in a disqualification um yeah i mean this is a yeah (laughs) that's all that's all you can say yeah 
it's it's one of those things. It's it's like like I said, the I mean the the top ten system. I don't know how it was put together. I don't know who put it together. Uh, but you know, knowing enough about pro wrestling, there was obviously a bit of maneuvering. Ah, I gotta be above so and so. I gotta be above so and so. So yeah, you saw it in his promo. And you also saw it in the beatdown he gave the champion here. Stan Hansen's pissed about being number six, plain yeah. and simple. Like he's he's not even like he's number three. It's not like oh, it's Luger, Flair, and Stan Hansen. He's number six, and he's not happy about it. So nope. Fuck you guys for going back to Japan where they let me spit on them for pay. <laughs> so Luger had cigarette butts and chew all over him as he gets helped to the back. <laughs> this fucking shit is unbelievable. So we get back and uh, his sting, and uh, he's all business now. Uh, we get a a bit of the a bit of the promos. If you want to call him that? Um, from the black. Excuse me, burgers coming back up on me. Uh, it was that Stan Hansen match. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we get the black scorpion promos that we've been waiting for, and uh, it's. I mean. They didn't even try with this. It looks like a thumb. <laughs> it looks like someone took an out-of-focus picture of a thumb and had Ole Anderson talk over it. So, Stain, I want your life. Venice Beach, California, 1986. What the hell? Think about it, Sting. Think about it. And Sting's just like, I'm not thinking about shit. I'm going to the <laughs> ring to take his mask off. Like, like, there's no answers because nobody has a clue where they're going with this. <laughs> so, so, so you say the, uh, the 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 scorpion looks like a thumb. I yeah. think he looks a little like a Doctor Claw from uh, Inspector Gadget. I'm just waiting for the uh, the cat to to jump on his lap. I mean, I mean the promos, uh, the, the video, the, the video we're getting yeah. in the promos, which is is basically like if someone turned the lights off and and because I mean where you can see me, so it's yeah. like. If, if, if I turned the lights out and then shined a light on the back wall and my thumb was still out of focus where it is, that's what the Black Scorpion is. If I just talk like this. Oh, my God. I just stared at that thumb and I, I saw Oli. I saw, he <laughs> looked into my soul. Um, but, yeah, so we don't get a lot of information. We know he's a, he's a man from his past. The Black Scorpion is a man from Sting's past who had something to do with Venice Beach, California in 1986. 1986. <laughs> um, all right. Yep. So I'm not going to go too far ahead because uh, I've, I've started doing some research on the Black Scorpion, but I'll try to keep us as to where we are in our series here. Um, obviously, I think they were trying... They, they were trying to allude to the fact that it was going to be the ultimate warrior. Yeah. But that was clearly impossible because he was WWF champion literally at this time. He had just had Hogan at WrestleMania 6. So it, it wasn't going to be him. The other big possibility was going to be uh, Sting's old Power Team USA partner, Dave Sheldon, who was uh, also known as the Angel of Death. Now, again, I love wrestling. I love old school wrestling and just giving themselves names. Because you think, okay, the angel of death. This because I don't remember the angel of death because I wasn't, you know, a WCW guy back in this time. I'm like, this guy's got to be fucking wild. I put it into Google. 
He's just a bald. He looks like uh, fucking Ivan Koloff. He looks. He's, yep. He's just a bald wrestler. It's like there's no horns. There's no makeup. There's no devil shit. It's like all right, the Angel of Death is just a bald wrestler. He, all right, cool Goldberg. He looked like a creator wrestler from Two K Twenty. Yes. And you just you didn't add anything to him. No. He, and this is the Angel of Death. <laughs> the Angel of Death. Um, the actual angel, not the actual angel of death, uh, the black scorpion who's wrestling sting tonight in the main event, uh, was played by Al Perez. And according to flair, uh, Al Perez was supposed to be the black scorpion for the duration. Again, that the flair has said that in interviews, but I don't, I don't, I don't, buy I don't believe anybody knew who the black scorpion was supposed to be, uh, based off the, the promo we got here. And the fact that, well, obviously the guy in the ring isn't the Black Scorpion because the Black Scorpion, after the match, shows up on the rampway. Um, and also, like, again, I, I, I don't know enough about Al Perez, but I don't, was he like a, like, would that have been a big deal? I don't, I don't think, a major, maybe, maybe some people, because he was wrestling in uh, world class uh, championship wrestling. So but it was like, the, Oh, but, we share yeah, the same birthday. It? How about that? Me and Al Perez. Same birthday. Oh, wow. Um, but it's like not the same year, obviously. Yeah. He's got you by a couple. Yeah. Uh, but it's like if if you're going to pull a mask off somebody, because that's going to be the ultimate goal of this Black Scorpion story, is, is who who is the Black Scorpion? Find out next week on WCW Monday Thunder, or whatever the fuck they're going to call it next week. Friday's, Friday's main wild card or something. Um but it it's like it needs to be somebody and and it's one of those it's one of those historic pro wrestling misses every, almost every time i'm not going to say every time almost every time that they have a character like this the the for wwf fans the big one is always the higher power who yeah. is the higher power and it becomes vince and it's like oh really like i get it but really come on yeah. if you're going to pull a mask or a hood off somebody it's got to be a wahoo. At least with Vince, it was Vince. Al Perez would be like, all right, well, I got to go to Wikipedia and find out who the fuck this guy is first before I get excited or not. Like, and they yep. didn't, obviously, in 1990, have the internet. So it's like you, need, you had to know who the fuck Al Perez is if that was going to be who it was going to be. Um, obviously, if it was the warrior, that would have been like a big wahoo, you know. Uh, but that just, it wasn't possible. He was WWE champion at the time. Yep. Um, so, so there's we, also there's also two lesser names that were kind of scantied about. You know, uh, and some of this is kind of like urban legend. Some of this may have some credence to it. But one of the first the, the first name is Eddie Gilbert. Was originally talked about being there. Him and Sting had a history of the UWF. Um, they were actually in a group together. Um, and the other, um, was gentleman, Chris Adams, um, who Rain's later on went to WCW, but also had history with Sting going back to California and all that. So they really, when they did that whole 86 California, think about it, right. shenanigans, they initially were, okay, we did this. We have four people it could possibly be, let's right. go from here. So when all this kind of devolved and Al Perez fell on his face, angel of death, whatever. 
the mm-hmm. other two ended up staying in, in world class and, and global. They were left with their their kind of their Schmetzer in their hand at that yeah. point. But um, those were two names that were kind of scanted about urban legend. There was no real credence about it, but doing my research and what I know, those were two names are always kind of rumored as a possibility. Um, yeah, and, and I mean that they, they. I guess they they kept having. There was different people, and, and we haven't got this far yet. I'm not sure what they had done on TV. I saw the, saw the promo. Uh, I watched a bunch of the promos because I guess there's a – you sent me. It's a 14-minute – it's basically every appearance of the Black Scorpion. Uh, so I'm not sure what chronologically. You can kind of tell some of them because they're like, oh, coming up on Halloween Havoc. So it's like, all right, it's before October, but kind of after Clash. Uh, and, and they start doing, like, magic shit. And there was they had an actual magician – that they hired to play the Black Scorpion to do actual magician shit? Yes. <laughs> yes. There was, um, um, I don't want to ruin the Halloween Havoc one, but there's one where they he made a tiger disappear um, yeah. because cause nothing will get inside a wrestler's head <laughs> than if you make a fucking tiger disappear. You know, I would I would vacate the title. If I was a wrestler and, and my my opponent made a tiger disappear, my I mean, God. That, that's... He's broken in half. Uh, so, I mean, again, this is uh, the match is what it is. This this wasn't about the match. This wasn't about uh, Sting versus Black Scorpion. Uh, it was a functional match at best. Uh, Sid ruins the day, and but but Sting won, so he got to he was supposed to unmask the Black Scorpion, and he pulls off his mask, and there's a red mask underneath. Okay, so he's the Red Scorpion now, must be. Okay. Um, so when he does that, all of a sudden, you can kind of see a person walking on the ramp, but it's really fucking far away. And mind you, I started out by talking about how distracting all the camera people are. The, the, there's a couple of guys and a female camera person, and they're all they're wandering around all day, like the whole fucking show. I'm see you see these people walking around in jean shorts, really short jean shorts, all friggin' show. And I'm like, and I at first I didn't pay any attention because I'm like, oh, it's just one of the, the texts probably. And then JR goes, What is that? I'm like, oh fuck, is that, are we supposed to be watching this guy? Okay. Oh, it's the black scorpion. Okay. All right. Now, who was that one? Do we know? Because Al uh, Perez is a red scorpion now. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I looked. Uh, I, it probably was just some janitor. They gave, you know, twenty bucks and a carton of Lucky Strikes to, and said, "Hey, put this robe on." I mean, it very well could have been uh, the the Angel of Death. I'm looking at the the picture of the Black Scorpion on the ramp, and he, he's a big enough guy. But again, it could it could have been anybody. There was, you know, at one time we talked about him in the Tommy Rage. Wow, Bill Irwin was, was I guess played the Black Scorpion at one point or yep. another. That could have been him. Uh, so I'm guessing, I would guess. Based off of how how underprepared I believe they are with this, uh, and the fact that he had already had a match on the show, I don't think they were bringing in another guy just to dress up in a hood on the ramp that wasn't going to have anything to do with it. I think they grabbed Bill Irwin. Or, is it Bill Irwin? Or, yeah. yeah. Wow, wow, Bill Irwin. Wow, Bill. Wow, Bill Irwin. They grabbed him and, like, put this hood on, get out there, stand there, fold your arms, don't do shit. He's like, what do I get? You, you get to go back out there. Shut up and do it. <laughs> Only won't murder you later tonight. That's what you get. Sid, put the scissors away. Jesus Christ. 
but but yeah, so so we get the the, the mystery of the black scorpion. He he is he has yet to reveal himself, and uh, this is gonna it's gonna get, it's gonna start getting really weird. This is where the fun starts. Uh, yes. Because this is where the promos start coming in on the weekly TV shows, uh, apparently, because the next show we're going to do is going to be Halloween Havoc 1990, and we're going to get a fucking disappearing tiger, apparently. I can't wait for that. <laughs> no, 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 no the, 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 this is going to be better than a tiger. Mm. Oh, you, I oh, can't ruin it, Mike. You can't ruin okay. it. No spoilers. No spoilers, but better than a disappearing tiger. Yes. I cannot wait. Um so yeah, uh, Rich. Any any final thoughts on Clash of Champions twelve Mountain Mountain Madness Fall Brawl ninety? I actually got yeah. the right name that for that one. You know, again, I I, I was entertained by it. Um, you know, now talking about it and kind of re, rethinking, reevaluating some of um, the stuff on it. Mm-hmm. You know, good good quality, good show, fun show, and it's actually a show we kind of forgot about. Uh, yeah. when we initially planned it and going through the timeline, we saw this and, uh, between the Freebird shit and, um, seeing, Stan seeing Hansen? the Z pick, Stan Hansen. I mean, this is, Stan this Hansen's is killing a Z pack. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, out of the two shows. This, I, I gotta give this one the, the nod on it right now. This was, this was the better of the two so far. Uh, yeah. As, as, as I started, I definitely enjoyed this one more than uh, great American bash. Uh, I, I appreciated the the cheesy uh, TV stuff, uh, them trying to add videos, and of course, the Freebirds. The, the Freebirds are my favorite part about doing this Black Scorpion storyline that I never knew was going to happen. <laughs> like, Black Scorpion storyline, yeah, cool. Freebirds are all over this, and they're insane. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Freebirds so- free bird, free have been the MVP of, of oh, the show. Absolutely. Definitely. And I would say a close second coming in on this show is definitely Stan Hansen and his gross jaw. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us on Two Guys Watching Wrestling. Uh, Rich, what is the Twitter again? It is Two Guys Wrestle Pod. Uh, Two Guys Wrestle Pod at Two Guys Wrestle Pod. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. And uh, and yeah, if... (laughs) I know we asked for a few things. I've already forgotten what they were, but please tweet us. <laughs> what what uh, the fuck were we looking for? Uh, we, were, we were off the rails tonight, Mike. And, and oh, you know it, what? It, I, I enjoyed yeah. every second of it. I, I think, it, it, I think for, for future episodes, if you know how to get a hold of episodes or pay-per-view of Ladies Pro Wrestling Association, uh, which is not GLOW, apparently, uh, please tweet at us. That, that'll that be a good oh. start there. And the poem, uh, the Burger King poem. Oh, that was it. <laughs> the... the the Burger King's grand... What is it? I'm going to fucking read that one, too, because that's just stupid as shit. The Burger King Ringmaster Poetry Challenge. If you can find the poem that Cindy wrote to Mike Rotunda, yes, tweet us. That would be wonderful. Yes. Yes. And if you have a fake Skid Row tattoo like Buddy Landell, tweet us a picture of it at Two Guys Wrestle Pod. Uh, and coming up next week, we got Halloween Havoc 1990 as our series of the Black Scorpion continues on. Please subscribe. We are adding podcasting apps week by week. I believe we're on most of the major ones at this point uh, as far as Apple Pod, Google Pod, uh, Spotify, I believe we're on, uh, and uh, a number of others. So 
if we're not on your podcasting app, you're probably not listening to this, but have your friends tell you how to get in touch with it and then tell us and we'll get it on that podcasting app. All right. I'm starting to hit babble mode. So, uh, Rich, any final thoughts? Good night. Good night, everybody. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com.